I'm having a conversation with my mom and my mom is like, Candace, you often bring up this part of your life all the time. It feels like a VHS tape. So welcome back to my podcast and um, I just kind of want to let you guys know where I'm going next with the series. The series actually is going to be titled Grief in Pieces and um, is actually going to be filled with a lot of different pieces of my life and um, the direction that the Lord kind of allowed me to go in. Grief as we know it is not always so easy so hopefully this is something that some people can relate to. And then also just kind of give you some insight about who I am and where the Lord is taking me. So honestly, y'all, this was actually a pretty, pretty difficult for me to actually start this series with Grieving in Pieces because it took a lot for me to travel through all the things that I've been through and things that I've been experiencing. So um, if you've ever been to a point to where just learning who you are, I think this episode is something that you can resonate with. Um, But I'm just going to go ahead and kind of let you know where the Lord took me. So I often started with like the question of like who I am. I think oftentimes when we're trying to figure out, you know, what we're called to do and what we're supposed to be doing in our lives, we're often like, well, who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? And honestly, I asked God the question like, who am I? And in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm a realtor. I'm joyful. Like I'm charismatic. I'm bold. And oh, I'm evangelist. Like I like telling people about God and just helping people. And God was like, no, go a little bit further. I'm like, okay, who am I? And often I actually would sit down and like go back. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I like to work out. I like to do this. And God is like, no, I need you to actually go a little bit deeper. Who do you think that you truly are? And I remember um, this part of my life is I, for a very long time, thought that I was a very unstable person when it comes to my mindset. To me, who I was or who I thought that I was was depressed. Um, I thought that I was a sad person. I often experienced a lot of loneliness and I often felt very forgotten as a person. And growing up, that is who I was. And God had me like kind of meddle in that area a little bit because I really was just trying to discover like who I was as I was growing up. And a mixture of who I thought I was and who I really was was actually in one place at the same time. But as I'm talking to this conversation, I'm journeying through asking this question, I'm having a conversation with my mom and my mom was like, Candace, you often bring up this part of your life all the time. It feels like a VHS tape. And let's pause for a second. Do y'all remember your favorite VHS tape, like your favorite movies? And I can off top tell you what my favorite one that I had on, I had on VHS tape and it was Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries is like my favorite movie. You couldn't tell me that I wasn't Princess Mia, like at all. You could not tell me I was not a princess. Um, Besides Princess Diary, uh, Toy Story, Bugs Life, a lot of those are like very nostalgic for me. Like those were one of my VHS tapes that I can watch over and over and over again. And it would just bring so much joy. Well, oftentimes as we go through things in life, sometimes even as children, we will have a part of our life that we also use as a VHS tape, but those are traumatic experiences. And as I'm growing up, I'm like telling my mom, like, this is all the stuff that happened to me. This is what was going on. And she's like, you keep replaying it over and over. And I noticed that I would watch a scene of my life where I felt like I was depressed 
where I felt like I was lonely, I felt like I was forgotten. And that was a VHS tape for me over and over. But God actually revealed to me that playing things over and over is a form of torment. So if you get to a point in your life where you're not letting things go, you're not forgiving, you're not forgetting, you are putting yourself in a position where you're watching things over and over and it's becoming a form of torment. So I came to a moment and the moment in life was when I wanted to press stop on the tape. And you know, you're just tired of watching things over and over again. I actually got to a point where I snatched the VHS tape out and I'll talk about this in another one of my episodes where it's about grieving people and relationships and things like that. But after my granny's death, I snatched a VHS tape out of the recorder and was like, I am done. I am tired of living this way. Like, who am I, God? And what 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 is all of this all about? Because this, this is just very overwhelming. So I kind of want to share about who I was and then who God is kind of creating me to be now today and what you're seeing fully blossom. So if I may, for a second, just kind of allow you guys to visualize how I grew up when I was a child. So when I was a child, I grew up as an only child. And um, my dad actually ended up remarrying when I was about two years old. And so he does have a separate um, relationship. I do have brothers and sisters from that relationship. But I was an only child. I grew up as an only child. I was by myself a lot of times. And our parents, back in the day, they would leave us home all day. They got to work. You can take care of yourself. But I grew up very, very fast for my age um, as an only child. From being an only child and not really having my parents there, I often felt like very emotionally abandoned by my parents. Um, My mom probably just at the time didn't really know how to help an area. She just really knew how to take care of me. She knew how to pay bills. She knew how to make sure I got to school on time and I was learning what I need to learn. But as far as like being emotionally stable, I don't think that I ever got that from my parents or maybe they just didn't even know how to teach me those things. So I often felt emotionally abandoned. Um, I did not grow up in the home with my dad either. So oftentimes I didn't have that dynamic of how to be strong and this is how you manage your emotions and how to maneuver that. So from being an only child and then feeling emotionally abandoned, it also caused great levels of attention seeking. And when I tell you now, this is really hard for me to like go through because I'm still in the part of asking God who I am. But as I'm pursuing through asking God who I am, God is like, you're still stuck in the past of replaying of who you were. So let's break down who you were. So not only was I an only child that grew up a lot of times by myself, I felt very emotionally abandoned, but on top of that, it caused a great level of attention seeking. And with that, I mean like at this time, my mom is dating men and she's trying to find herself and trying to find a, a, a spouse for herself. I would act out. I mean, I would whine, I would cry, I would make it all about me, um, would have tantrums. And even from attention seeking, it then even went into a great level of insecurity and rage. Because once again, I didn't really have my father there. I started acting out. It became not necessarily disrespectful to my mom. I didn't know that my mom getting into a relationship or remarrying was not her leaving me by myself. I had a lot of fear of being alone again. So not only did it turn into insecurity and rage, it often, even from that point, caused me to make poor decisions and self-sabotaging and having tantrums and extreme acting out. So, I mean, a poor decision would be like, maybe not dating the right people or making decisions that would kind of lead me in the wrong direction. I mean, but even tantrums, I would like 
be so extreme in my response, like, oh, you know what? You know, I'm gonna never talk to you again, or I'm gonna never do this again. Like just just very over dramatic with responses to get people to respond to me so that they wouldn't leave. So from all of that, that led to me becoming a person that struggled with the spirit of suicide. And this part was really hard for me to just kind of bring back up to the surface because um, it's a real part of my life. And I'll just share just kind of like the story of when I experienced uh, dealing with suicide and going down that, that journey. But this is maybe about five years ago. Um, you know, I was serving in the church, but I was kind of being frustrated with leadership. And I think at the time I had like, was dating at the time, but then we ended up breaking up. This guy was like the love of my life. Like I thought we were gonna get married, et cetera. And it just didn't work out. And I had a lot of issues at the time. And I remember not even speaking to my dad either. This led to me, um, once again, acting out and having tantrums. So I would uh, send text messages to my friend and just like, you know, I'm not gonna speak to you again or, it's really nice talking to you and like, I'll see you later kind of thing. And they would call my mom and like, Candace is having one of those issues again. She's acting out again. You might need to go check on her. And my mom would come check on me, but she didn't know what to say. She didn't know what to do. And now mind you now, at this time I am anti-therapy. My friend was like, girl, don't you think you need a therapist? I'm like, I'm not going to no therapy. I don't need therapy. Um, but to make a very long story short, it all came crashing down on me, and I had an interview for a Facebook Live at the time. I was doing my candle business at the time, and I um, was on the way, and I called my best friend on the phone, and I'm like, I don't wanna be here no more. I'm just completely done with life, and I just feel like I'm insane. I feel crazy. I wanna check myself into a mental hospital. And she's like, I don't think there's something that you want to do because it's not like you just walk in Walmart and just come back out. When you check yourself into a mental institution, it's a record that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm like, I'm just going to run my car off the road because at this point, being dead was felt better than living through where I currently was. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional talking about it. <laughs> but to me, like not being alive felt better than not feeling loved by people. That was really hard for me. And I remember after that conversation, I just told her like I had to get off the phone. I'm gonna go do this, this stupid Facebook interview at the time. I'm like, I don't even wanna do this. So I, I ended up not driving my car off the road because as you can see, I'm here, thank God. <laughs> but I ended up going to the place that they were interviewing small business entrepreneurs. And when I got into the parking lot, I ended up having a severe panic attack. And I mean a panic attack to the point that I actually collapsed in the parking lot. And um, uh, one of my friends, his name is James, I may know him, but um, James was actually there on site. And I was hanging out of the car with my head in the car and my legs outside the car because I went unconscious because I was just in such of a panic. Um, and all I can hear him is screaming, but I don't know what he's saying. And all I remember is everything just like going black. So he ended up calling somebody, I'm assuming, and by the time that I got up, they were able to kind of get me to my feet. And when they got me to my feet, I remember my godmother, Mama Sylvia, she came out and like, she's like, I need you to calm down. She was like, you are not insane. Your life is not coming to an end. You have control over your life. You have control over your mind. Like, 
you're not crazy. And I started to like hyperventilate again. And she put her hand on, her, on my chest and she was like, in the name of Jesus, she was like, you're going to calm down. Your life is under control. And honestly, I don't know what, have, what would have happened to me if I didn't have my friend Jamita or James or Mama Sylvia at the time when I was going through that. I wouldn't have known um, how to get through that because I just felt so overwhelmed. And that is my story of wanting to unalive myself and coming to the ends of mentally just being so drained and at the end of it all. And thank God that we have people in the kingdom that can remind you of who you are. And that's the problem. The problem is when you're grieving yourself and you're grieving your identity and you're struggling with suicide and you're having all these mental issues and thoughts and you're tormenting yourself over and over is because some of us truly don't know our real identity. And that was me. I never knew my identity. I didn't know what it was or who I was supposed to be. And honestly, it's not necessarily to blame my parents. I just think that they may not even knew how to teach me. And um, so I'm going through a lot of relearning of who I am. And that's where I am today. Um, and honestly, because we don't have the mind of Christ, because sometimes that we don't grow up in a church or we're not spending that one-on-one -on -one time learning about our relationship with God, we often don't really know who we are. And this is important of, hey, let's take, the, take a step back. Let's talk about who we used to be so that we can relearn who we truly are in the things of God. So I don't know if you ever felt that way. I know that was probably kind of like very deep. It may be emotional. And maybe it may, may not have even moved you, but honestly, for me, that was a place that was a very dark place for me. And um, a longer story to even add to that. But some people may have felt this way, and I don't know if you have, where you've desperately just wanted to know who you were. And oftentimes during that time, God has the ability to show you who you were and then who you are and then who you thought you, you are to be. And that together can be a very difficult process. Because I felt like Paul, and I don't know if you know the scripture or the story about Paul, but Paul said, what I ought not to do is what I do, but what I don't want to do is what I do. And it's oftentimes like your flesh is fighting to do things that you don't want to do. And then your spirit is trying to do things that you feel like you shouldn't, you, you I don't know if that makes sense. Like I'm kind of like stumbling all over my words. But it's just like Paul laid it out so clearly that there's this tug of war inside us that two parts of who we are can very much coexist at the same time. And sometimes at different times, you can be growing and you can be losing. You can be minimizing. And then also in some ways you can be saying the same and standing your ground. So after all of that and asking God who I am, I'm like, God, what is this? What is all this? Because I need to understand what is the process of all these this definition of what this is called. And this is called the process of edification. And I have the definition written down, but the process of edification is defined as the process of spiritual growth and in a Christian who is living according to the plan of God and who is fulfilling the command to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians chapter four, um, it basically kind of breaks down the story um, Ephesians chapter four of just how the process of edification actually works. But the scripture in verse 14 really stuck out to me and I'm actually gonna pull it up on my phone if that's okay. Because um, let's actually, 
read it out loud. And I thought that it was really good to just kind of share on this part here, the process of edification so that we can know why all of that is so is is so true. But the process of edification in the scripture says in Ephesians 4 verse 14, it says, so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. And I thought that that was so good because the process of edification, it is a part of you growing up. And it is a part of you taking ownership of where you may have been left off. Like where your parents couldn't have done, where your friends couldn't have done, where that relationship couldn't have taken you. But it's also a part of growing up because the scripture says that should we no longer be tossed, be like children tossed to and fro, about every wind of doctrine. And as you're growing up, you're learning things. You're doing what your parents taught you. You're doing just what the church tells you to do. But as you grow up in the things of God, you become to a level of maturity where what people say doesn't just go to mind or how you were raised is not just the way of life. You actually learn to not be put back and forth, but you're maturing in the things of God. And this is the process of like, when you truly get saved and you truly turn your life over to Christ, God begins edifying the body of Christ. And we are the body of Christ. And this is a part of one of those things that um, God does, which I'm truly thankful for because I couldn't imagine um, growing up in the way that I did or replaying that VHS tape over and over again and not having the opportunity to relearn who I truly am through the eyes of the Lord. And I think that that is just something that's so key. So I'm going to talk about the five steps on how to help you grieve yourself. And so me, you together, we in this podcast, walking it out together. So we are grieving ourselves. And these are the first five steps that I had to take in order to understand, like, how does this process even begin? Because the whole process is for us to um, walk through this point, but not necessarily stay there. I think oftentimes with grief, we deal with a level of trauma and disappointment or hurt, and then we wanna stay there. But with grief, we have to actually keep moving, and that's how we grow. So five steps that'll help, help us grieve ourselves. The first one is going to be an ally to your past. So we have to be an ally to our past, and our hurt parts of who we are needs to trust that we'll be there to support them and not to shame them. When we go through things, we deal with a lot of embarrassment and we get very shameful. And I will be honest, recording this podcast, that's why it took so long. And I don't mean to get loud. I'm so sorry. But that's why it took so long for me to get to this episode because I'm recording this and I'm like, child, I don't know if I'm ready to talk about this. But I felt very shameful and embarrassed about the mental capacity and things that I struggled with in my past. I was not an ally to my past. I didn't support it. Um, but with being an ally to your past, Another thing that you can do in this step is not celebrate your trauma like, oh, yeah, I used to be this. I used to be that. It's more of just understanding like why you used to be this way or why you used to be this way. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes a lot of us get stuck in like, oh, I'm from the hood and I'm this kind of way. It's like actually like if you want to stay there, you can. But the point of it is actually trying to just understand it so that we can grow from it. 
the scripture that we can use with being allied to our past is going to be 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, and I'm going to read it. I'm actually reading from the Amplified Version because you know it's going to give us a little bit more fluff. But it says that, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available regardless of the situation, for my power is being perfected and it is completed and shows itself more effectively in your weakness. So with the scripture there, um, it's basically breaking down like God's grace is sufficient for us. His love, kindness and mercy is more than enough and it's always available unto us. So being an ally to a past, the solutions that we can do is that I was reading this book where Pastor John Gray and he would he was explaining in this book called Church Hurt. He was talking about Paul dealing with the level of um, weakness, but Paul was willing to show his weakness and boast in it because he knew that that's where God can operate. And I thought that that was so good because when we see a weakness, we run. When we deal with an issue, we hide, we're ashamed. But Paul being a Christian killer in his past, I mean, he has a past probably worse than most of us, but he was still able to show his weakness and boast in that because he knew that it's not out of his own strength, but it's out of the strength of the Lord that he could still willingly talk about where he, where he was weak at or where he did wrong. Um, another solution for you guys would be an ally to your past is vulnerability is where God needs us to be with ourselves and those around us. So in order for us to support our past and not to be shameful of it, we have to be vulnerable. We have to get to a point to where a part of us has to be exposed and um, it's a level of sharing with one another. And that'll be going into the next step. So the second step of grieving ourselves is going to be acknowledge. Um, acknowledge is going to be the second step that we should be doing as to grieving our past. So acknowledging your feelings, your shame, your guilt, your sadness, your anger, fear, anything that could be lingering beneath the surface of your brain or whatever's going on, but being real with it. Like don't overcompensate for where you're trying to block out your emotion because it doesn't help. When you do this, there's no resolve and is literally just pushed to the side when you do this. So you have to acknowledge where you are and then you have to be real with where you are. So the scripture that's going to align with this because when we talk about stuff, y'all, adding scripture to it, it shows that it's possible and it shows that it should be, should be done because scripture says so. So in James 5 and 16, it says, therefore confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man or believer is able to accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Now that's the amplified version um, of the scripture, but it says confess your sins to one another. And the solution of that is talking, not necessarily like, oh, okay, oversharing. And I don't mean like you walking up to a person in a coffee shop and you like, yeah, well, when I was a child, I grew up this way and this is why I have these issues. No, it's actually talking to the people that are in your circle. It's talking to the people um, that you know that God has kind of placed in your life to kind of help you grow, but confessing and being real about it and not having any secret sins. And that's really hard for us to admit. We have some secrets that about ourselves that sometimes confessing it to another person helps uh, help us alleviate where we are and kind of help us be more real and authentic about us overcoming that thing. And when you start doing that, true edification begins. 
When you start recognizing your past, when you start acknowledging where you are and you begin confessing and talking about it, edification can begin in your life. So in step three is to attend and visualize. Imagine what your hurt self looks like and the age of who you are, um, how did you feel safe, like what happened to you? And this step is really just about us approaching our hurt selves with generous curiosity and gaining a deeper understanding of what we've been through, but also visualizing our healed self, hugging our, our, our older self, our younger self, our abandoned self, and everything that we've kind of dealt with. We gotta learn how to practice this. Um, so attend to and just visualize that and just sit with that sometimes. But even with understanding like who, who we are and uh, going back to our past and things like that, scripture also says in Genesis 1 and 26 that we're creating the image of God. So that even though in your past you may not have felt like you're a kingdom's kid, you got to understand that now is a time where you understand that by the edification process that you are a child of God. Also in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ that is grafted in, joined to him by faith and, is him, and in him as the Savior, he is a new creature, reborn, renewed by the Holy Spirit, the old things, the previous moral spiritual conditions have passed away. Behold, new things have come and spiritual awakening brings new life. So the scripture is affirming us and allowing us to attend to the part of, yes, this is where I'm, where I used to be, but also reminding us that we are created in the image of God. We are created in his spiritual likeness. But on top of that, we are also created a new creature even when we do wrong or we've, we've dealt with things in life that may not have been great decisions, that when we dedicate our lives to Christ and then we get saved, we are reborn again into the things of God. And those are going to be the two scriptures that you can use to help attend to or visualize that. Now, what's the solution, right? The solution to that is um, I was also looking at this article online and I often search a lot of questions here is at gotquestions.com. And I love this quote. It says, an image is always dependent upon a perspective. Poor vision of a cloudy mirror can greatly affect how we perceive ourselves. And I thought that that was so good because who we see ourselves is, is always dependent upon the perspective of where it's coming from. And it can often be very cloudy just because um, the way that you grew up or your thought process, all about your perspective. So the solution is while visualizing your old self, be sure that you aren't staying there. Visit who you are, but don't stay there. Um, take the time to continue to understand, even as you're going to therapy, visit those places, but that's not a place for you to stay and to kind of um, regain access to, to relive that trauma again. It's just for you to understand who you are. On top of that, give that version of yourself grace. That version of who you were and what you dealt with deserves a lot of grace in life. And also understand this new version of yourself is coming. The new version of yourself is always going to come. The scripture says it that we are created and we are a new creature in, in God. The fourth step to grieving ourselves is to affirm. What we talked about so far is we're talking about being an ally to our past. We're acknowledging who we are. We're attending and visualizing exactly where we've been. And then the fourth step is going to be affirm. So once we begin to release the burdens, the shame, the guilt, the anxiety, 
it is important that we continue continuously affirm those things that we've learned. So accept the new truths about who you are. The scripture that we can use with affirming who we are is Proverbs 18 and 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear consequences of their words. I know we hear it all the time. People are like, oh, death and life is a power of the tongue. But they don't finish the rest of the scripture. The rest of the scripture is those who love it and indulge in it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. That's what it says. So with affirming who you are, if you constantly say negative things or replay a traumatic experience from the past that, oh, I'm abandoned, or I'm suicidal, or I'm depressed, I'm so sad, I'm anxious, you're gonna eat the fruit of those words because you're not, you're not speaking life over who you are. But when you are speaking life of, I am a new creature, I am positive, I am blessed, I am not overwhelmed, you know, I am not anxious, um, I am a joyful person, the scripture talks about you have the power to even change the direction of who you are because it's in the power of how you speak. So the solution of that is changing your language, changing what you talk about, adopting conversations and speaking with people that provoke positivity and that helps you quote scriptures, being around believers that helps you stay on your A game about who you are in Christ. And then even if you can't remember scriptures or you don't know what they say verbatim, it's also posting maybe post-it notes on your mirror or on your wall in the morning and you re-quote these scriptures every single day, you know, as you're getting dressed or when you do your daily devotion, things like that could be solutions to help you have a better language when it comes to affirmations for yourself. The last step in grieving ourselves is going to be adopt a, and accept a loving stance. So this can be a little bit difficult for somebody, for a lot of people, and often it was for myself because we don't feel like we deserve the grace that God has given to us. That is free. But adopting and, and accepting a loving stance comes with a lot of self-compassion, but not self-pity. You're not pitying yourself about the things that you've gone, that you've dealt with, but it's just having compassion that you dealt with trauma. You dealt with the level of things not going right. You dealt with you know, being left alone or, you know, a traumatic experience. I don't know, you may have been molested, but you dealt with certain things that you need compassion for. It's not necessarily pity. But with practice, we also say practice makes perfection, but practice actually makes habits. And when those habits actually turn out to be good, it can actually change the trajectory of your life. So practice increasing loving and desiring yourself and then also loving and desiring others as well. And also with adopting a lover's stance, you have to understand that you love first because God loved you. Love doesn't come from a place of, oh, I'm learning it because I was done wrong. Actually, we love because God actually loved us. That like love actually comes from God. Like it didn't come out your body just because you decided to. That had to be something that God gave to you. And how do we know that? We know that because the scripture in 1 John 4 and 10, it says that, in this love is not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son for the perpetuation that is the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sins and placating his wrath. So that's what the scripture is saying. There is like, we don't love because we love. We love because God first loved us. And that's where, that's where it all comes from. God is love. So when we're talking about um, being an ally to our past. We're talking about 
um, acknowledging who we are. We're talking about attending to visualizing and affirming our weak spots. And then in the end, we're adopting and accepting and loving ourselves. This is how we properly grieve who we, who we currently are or where we've been in our past. But a lot of this will not happen until you're ready. We can talk about this whole, these, this situation. We could talk about these five steps that can help you, but you won't do this until you're ready to do this. And I had to get to a point in my life where a lot of this didn't happen. That VHS tape of me snatching these things out and grieving the part of who I was didn't happen until I was ready, until I was tired of being a sad and depressed and lonely uh, person. I wanted to know what joy really felt like. I wanted to know what the love of God really felt like. I wanted to know who I truly was in Christ. But as I'm learning who, who I am, God had to defeat who I thought I was or what I went through. So take the time to re-listen to this podcast and re-listen to these five different steps that could possibly help you and learn how to grieve yourselves or how to maneuver through a place from your past. And hopefully it can be helpful for you on the other side so that you can truly experience joy and truly experience who God has called you to be. And that's who I'm learning who I am through God.